This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 24th of August 2022 at home in Wicklow. And it is uh, an episode that is dedicated to the idea of what we present to the world and the pressure we may feel in maintaining that front and what happens when the there's a, a crack in the the facade um and i have two two case studies to look at um in this context one of them is the the british boxer uh, english boxer anthony joshua and the other is the english cricketer ben stokes both of whom have been in the the news in the last few days um for for different reasons but the uh the, the link that i found was um mental health and looking at young men in in crisis young men who live in the public eye um and successful sports people and both of them indicating um their their struggles with uh, keeping it up and uh, maintaining a certain image and level of composure um, and achievement so it just got me thinking about that idea of yeah of of, of how we how we juggle that um, and I, I share some of my own experiences um, and that's um, that's 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 mainly what I'm getting into today um, I think there's uh there are takeaways um, for 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 all of us. Takeaways that we can all find useful and applicable. Um, I have a a letter from a listener that I, I read out on the on in the episode, who asks a very interesting question. And to conclude today's episode, I uh, I read a poem that I have just written for my father who is turning 80 tomorrow, the 25th of August. So it felt like a nice time to to share that. So there you go. That's what's coming up. I hope you can find time to listen and I hope you like what you hear. And if you don't, just uh, don't tell anyone about it. And if you do, tell everybody you know. It's pretty, it's pretty simple, pretty sim- simple concept. Okay. I will, uh, I'll talk to you uh, around the corner. Cheers. Ooh, not gonna change my mind. Leaving the dream behind. Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. Welcome. Welcome to this moment. Welcome to the tell. Because as I say, this isn't a show, it's a tell. And I'll be telling you stuff you may or may not want to hear. But you have a choice. You don't have to listen. But I welcome your presence here right now. How are you? How's the how's the week been? If you're a if you're a regular, if you're a regular listener, have you been how have you been since the last time you tuned in? When do we make it that way? Then uh, there's no 
no pressure to feel you should have been here the last time around. I'm well, thanks. Thanks for asking. Not doing too badly. So here we are. Another week has rolled by. It's coming to the end of uh, quite a decent summer on balance. Quite a decent summer. But the first signs of... 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 The first signs of autumn are making themselves felt. There's a, a scattering of brown leaves in the garden. And if that if that if that don't tell you it's that time of year, I don't know what else I don't know what else would. It's also the time of year to go back to school. My daughter has uh, a week left of her holidays, so there's that. That's definitely a vibe. That's definitely in the air. The return to school. <laughs> Do you remember? Was that something you looked forward to? I don't know. Um, I didn't. I didn't dread it, but um, I don't know if I was ever like, I can't wait to get back to school. The uh, but the summer saw so- the summer the summer holidays the summer holidays. The summer holidays posed their own challenge. And I remember those dreaded words that my mother used to hate hearing. I'm bored. We're bored. Uh, my, my daughter has mastered that phrase this summer, even though we've, we've done our best to keep her stimulated, entertained, amused, distracted. But there's nothing quite like a 21st century kid <laughs> to to highlight the um, the ennui of abundant privilege now I know privilege is a very relative term um, but uh, I know what I'm thinking of everything's just a little bit too easy anyway why why should she suffer needlessly if it's all there and it's all laid on all the mod cons because <laughs> that's what childhood should be like it should be like a shiny new thing for sale all the mod cons yeah high spec anyway the um the mission statement of this podcast if you're a first time listener it's very simple i'm here to explore wellness your wellness my wellness our wellness the collective wellness of us the wellness of we and yeah it's um it's it it it, it, it's a challenge it's a task that's never fully done never fully completed there are so many aspects to keeping oneself as well as one could hope that there's always there's always stuff to be done i don't think uh i don't know i mean maybe it depends on time of life maybe it depends on what's going on where you found yourself settling what groove you're in what pattern you're in um but i think there's always it's it, it, i suppose the way i think of it is You've got to stay sharp. You've got to stay vigilant. 
it and that, and that's another way of of that, that's a way of avoiding the word mindfulness there are so many of these wellness buzzwords that are floated about and pushed in your face by by people like me um i can't i can't set myself aside sadly from the masses of wellness warriors out there trying to tell you how to <laughs> trying to <laughs> presuming to know how to tell you to improve your life it's it's an astonishing flex of presumption and arrogance um and perhaps it is all rather solipsistic and delusional but uh but there you go that's uh that hasn't stopped me yet <laughs> i'll keep i'll keep nutting along um so yes explorations of of how we stay well and my own personal approach is to try and look at it with a certain amount of honesty and openness and vulnerability and candor um and levity that's right levity try not to take it too seriously try not to take ourselves too seriously and yet take the right things seriously when it is warranted i i think that's i think that's reasonable isn't it that's not an unreasonable position to go this thing needs attention right now this is my current focus at this moment in my life because this is something else that i've maintained and have spoken about here on the clear out we are living in an age of distraction there's always always stuff to pull our brain this way or that way always stuff calling for us to direct our attention to it and that's not to say that hasn't been a sensation that we've you know humans have experienced you know through the generations just the demands of life the busyness of life but there is there is let's let's just look at it let's just look at it straight there is something about this age we're in and the deluge of information the deluge of screens the deluge of voices the deluge of opinions and sound bites and clickbait and everything else the deluge of scary terrifying anxiety inducing news stories it is a deluge we are being flooded 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 with things competing battling scrambling desperately for our attention for our eyes and we consume so much of it through through our devices and through our through our screens and the 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 the, the brains behind the screens the the arch manipulators Allah the, the 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 producer played by Ed Harris 
in the Truman Show. What was his name? Didn't he have like a a German sounding name? It made him sound like a you know a, a, a European artiste. Astis, uh wasn't Klaus. What was his name? Um, and he was only ever referred to by his first name, which denotes a certain gravitas or status. You'd have to look that one up. But yeah, we're all being manipulated. And so how, that's a good question. How do you prevent yourself being manipulated? That's a, um, that's a rather, uh, (laughs) speaking of difficult tasks, that's a rather large one. And again, there's a, there's a relativity to how, um, to how far you want to cast that net or to how, how much of that concept you want to try to grasp because the manipulation starts from such a young age as soon as we step out into the world are we not on some level being presented with prompts and nudges and frameworks that in their own way manipulate us into belief systems and manipulate us into believing what the world is and what it isn't what we can and cannot be Um, and there are so many specific factors to that depending on your own particular circumstances but that is that I think that's a that's a bit of a journey we all go on Um, and at a certain point we have to uh, remove the wool from our eyes and go okay hold on what what is this world I'm living in and um, what you know, who who am I, or the, you know, whatever iteration of self you have come to believe is 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 you. At what point do you go? Wait a second, is that me? Is this who I am? This this composite response system that has produced the self that I understand to be to be me. What what if what is it? Is it is it accurate? Where does it come from? What have the drivers of this version of myself been? Um, and yeah, when I say myself, I mean you, yourself, you. Yeah, you, the one who's listening right now. I'm talking to you. Check in with yourself there. Are you happy with yourself now? This version of you, which is version fifty-seven point how many versions of yourself have there been? And then, of course, you get that clanging, that clanging reality check when, <laughs> when you think you've done all the hard work, when you think you've processed, when you think you've unpacked, when you think you've shed a skin and emerged with new growth. You get that reality check at, you know, you know periodically, which is just like, this i'm gonna i'm gonna mix my metaphors because it's ironically the the moment of psychic arrest is the record scratch 
but then the record scratch is actually indicating to you that you're still in the same groove the same track on the record that you have been since you were a little person the needle has never jumped to another groove even though you think you've been singing or dancing to a new song you go oh no i'm actually still very much there all iterations have come from the same place now that in itself that's a little philosophical wrestle to uh, to negotiate and that doesn't have to be something that is fatalistic it doesn't have to be something that's scary or intimidating or depressing because i think there's something very natural about that that all iterations of you have come from the same place different shells different versions but they're all products of the same starting point um no matter you know no matter what way you shake it and again again my disclaimer because you can listen to other people who refute the idea of a self um but i don't know i think uh for me it's regardless of the objective truth of my reality um that's a whole other level of existing to fully detach and remove remove your sense of self from the day-to-day picture um so many there's so many aspects to that but it does it does this does tie into some of the things i want to talk about today um yeah so there's a few a few different a few different notions my my feeling is this is not going to be one of the longer episodes thank god for that i hear you say um but this idea of the self under pressure um i think that's something we can all relate to on on one level or another and i'm all i'm interested in looking at that clash between what we believe is going on for ourselves the you know the 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 interior landscape uh and the narrative that we construct for ourselves that might be deeply private it could be but that, you know that 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 can be that can be something we we struggle to actually construct and identify um or it could be something that we've we've worked on and feel we have a great grasp of and that makes sense to us and feels cohesive and definitive uh, it may not be something we share with everyone it may be something that drives us on a deeply personal level but there can be dissonance between that and how we feel we are perceived by the outside world um and that that type of pressure can be felt with an excruciating intensity depending on the set of circumstances you find yourself in but for the sake of exploring this idea i'm just going to focus on a couple of english sportsmen who have been in the media for um for different reasons in the last uh, in the last week 
and uh, one of them is Anthony Joshua, the uh, heavyweight boxer, um, and the other is Ben Stokes, who is um, a cricketer, a test, a test, English test cricket player, um, one day player. I think he uh, he's adept at the the short form of the game as well. Um, I think of Ben Stokes as an all-rounder. I'm not sure if that's fully correct, but uh, he's definitely handy with the bat. And he's been a big character in the English cricket team of recent years. Um, he led them to... Uh, now, when I say led, I don't, know if he, I, don't, I don't know if he was the captain, but he certainly was a key player in England winning the, the one-day um, World Cup, uh, which was, was that two or three years ago. Um, I'm trying to think if I was, I may have still been in uh, Australia when that happened, which would have made it 2019 probably. So it could have been three years ago. Anyway, these two guys, so high achieving, high achieving, um, very successful sportsmen, um, both around the um, the early 30s mark. I think Anthony Joshua is 32. He was a gold medal winner at the Olympics 10 years ago um, so that would have been 2012 was, was, was that the London Olympics? I can't remember um, and Ben Stokes I think is a similar age he's around the uh, the 30 mark I think I haven't, um, I haven't, got, I haven't gone back to, you know, to check the details but fundamentally these are, these are young men um, I mean that's how I look at it now at my age and that's a pretty that can be a pretty spiky time in a young man's life i think because uh, you've negotiated the 20s but that might be that that could be a key moment where you think you've you think you've worked some stuff out and you think you've processed some processed some stuff and come to a an understanding of who you are and then the crisis comes when you realize no that was on that was only that was only patchwork uh but anthony joshua had a a match a boxing match at the weekend and he was beaten on a points decision uh over 12 rounds by the ukrainian boxer um alexander yusik who um yeah who won fair and square it's the second time he's beaten anthony joshua and Anthony Joshua has put himself out there in the world for the last 10 years as a very competent, successful boxer. He is seems to always be in phenomenal physical condition. Um, one of the... One of the... You know, the, 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 the modern heavyweight boxer has kind of got bigger and bigger over the years. Um, these guys are a different physique to the sort of you know if, if there was a golden age of of heavyweight boxing back in the maybe the 60s and 70s uh, around the time of Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and George Foreman and, and those guys um, that that physique has just got chunkier bigger bulkier heavier but with the with the addition of 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 more body mass 
you see a less defined body. So less cut, as they say. But Anthony Joshua has defied that pattern and he really has a, a very sculpted, um, yeah, a, a astonishing body. But you go, well, yeah, great. Well, that's what you want as a, a professional sports person. But um, apart from that, he's always presented himself as a nice guy. You know, the world of boxing um, can have that trash talk element to it. Part of the, it's just part of the sort of the dynamic and the promotional dynamic uh, of boxing. You know, big personalities and trash talking your opponents and... Obviously, it's informed by maintaining a certain front, a certain appearance of, of, of toughness that's uh, informed by um, a certain macho alpha male code. And that's not really the, the path that Anthony Joshua has walked. And at the weekend, upon uh, losing that fight, he he sort of cracked and he grabbed the microphone uh, in the ring at the end of the fight and had a bit of a, an expletive um, ridden uh, rant and tried to sort of say uh, basically how I took it. You can go and look it up online, you know, check it out for yourself. But basically the way I perceived it was like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've had to endure. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know. And a real sense of being misunderstood and misrepresented and underappreciated, um, undervalued in some way. And just the feeling of intense frustration and Certainly, there's no doubt, of course, that this is coming, you know, immediately after he's been beaten um, for the second time by the same boxer in a relatively short period of time. They they, they fought only a few months ago, I think. Um, I, mean, I can't remember if it was earlier this year or late last year, but, um, yeah, the feeling was like this was Joshua's chance. Like if, he, he, if he'd beaten Usyk, that keeps him at the top of the table. But now that he's been beaten twice, it's like, People are like, I'm not sure what chance he's going to get again to fight the you know the best of the best, and all his kind of frustration came out, and I think one of the things he was saying was, or there was an implication that people don't appreciate how hard his task is, how hard it is to be that guy with that physique to step into a ring and throw difficult combinations over that time frame against really tough op opposition uh, and he made reference to this and he made reference to the change in body size of heavyweight boxers over the years and he referenced Rocky Marciano um, who was one of the one of the great boxers Rocky he, he he was the 50s I think Rocky Marciano and he was like yeah I don't box like him because I'm four stone heavier than he was and putting together combinations it's hard work my arms are heavier now you can argue well yeah but you're a bigger guy so maybe you should be able but anyway 
he um he was clearly not having his best moment and uh un, as i say uncharacteristically using bad language and then later afterwards he was in his pre- press conference he he broke down he just had to take a moment and have a cry um and i <laughs> i just i just kind of thought yeah you're poor <laughs> i just felt sorry for him and i thought yeah it's all out there it's all out there you've just worked so hard for this moment and it doesn't happen. Now, that's a very recognisable thing. You see that across sport. You see that, the big moments, and you see the impact on sports people, sportsmen, sportswomen, whatever their chosen field is. You see the big moments, the finals, and being the loser. It's no fun. You don't sit there with a big grin on your face going, ah, sure, grand. You don't go, ah, look, turning up, you know, as, as long as I was here to take part, that's the main thing. That is not the, the mentality of winning sports people. They expect to win. They work bloody hard. And I think sports, you know, the, 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 the standard of sports is only getting higher. And the, 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 the physical condition and the training regimes of the modern sports person, it's only moving in one direction everything is getting stricter they're all working harder the i don't know what evidence there is nowadays of any remnants of the old school i go drinking at the weekends i party i do this that just seems to be if anyone's doing that they are outliers at this stage the modern athlete is ultra focused ultra aware of their brand ultra aware of the window the short window of their career ultra aware of what they're putting into their into their bodies what they have to achieve what they have to sacrifice to achieve that and boxing unlike a sport like football for example where you get to play every week twice a week three times a week sometimes at the the busier parts of the season um boxing is there are far fewer opportunities to structure stuff there are far fewer opportunities to get out there and do the do because there inevitably there has to be more time to recover after taking a physical beating by people who are in top physical condition and their mission is to beat you into submission uh and so there are long gaps between fights um and depending on how good you are or how good your opponent is or how good you are at protecting yourself boxers of course can and have sustained life-threatening injuries um and obviously taking um, a barrage of punches from a professional fighter punches to the head to the brain rocking the brain those concussive blows can do terrible damage and so there are safety protocols um, but it means then that the timing the timing of all that hard work the timing has to be perfect so you walk in that ring and are ready to deliver across 12 
rounds of warfare um and if you don't get that timing right um it's gone that ship has sailed and then it's like okay when's my next chance eight months nine months ten months away um tough tough stuff and anthony joshua in my opinion had a very human moment a moment of oh shit this was really hard and i'm just so upset (laughs) i'm so upset and it's not easy this isn't easy you think it's easy you come you watch you watch on pay-per-view you make your comments you write your articles it's not easy and at the end of the day only a boxer can tell you the truth of that because they're the ones that put themselves in the ring and and I've always had an interest I've always had an interest since I was a kid I used to bring home big boxing compendiums from the library these hardback pictorial histories of boxing I've always I've never you know I've never I've never been to a boxing fight in my life um but uh, I've always retained an interest um I'm not an obsessive uh and it's pretty superficial that my knowledge of the sport but usually I have a reasonable idea of the prominent figures getting into the ring some of the prominent figures behind the scenes um, because they're always there Um, there's always that link to the underworld to the criminal classes that has never boxing's never really been able to shake that um and I think the only other thing you can say really about boxing as a sport, I mean, it's been massively challenged in its popularity by the success of UFC, mixed martial arts, uh, the ultimate fighting challenge. Um, but it, it boxing seemed to get sort of divided into so many different organizations, factions, schisms, that there seemed to be a lot of different titles, a lot of different championships belts a boxer can have and so things start to mean a little less um and then that's why you need you know that's why boxers want to fight someone else who has you know the belts of you know other organizations so it's a unification title bout um so that's what's that's what's on the cards next um because apparently Usyk who beat Joshua wants to fight Tyson Fury the uh the English um boxer of irish traveler background um i've spoken about tyson fury before he's a fascinating character um going back going back to late last year i had an episode where i was talking about talking about uh, fictional characters who weren't born of man or woman and tyson fury made a reference to that <laughs> in one of his press conferences he kind of came out with something akin to the 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 Macbeth quote where um Macduff who ultimately slays Macbeth um Macbeth is told he can't be killed by anyone born of woman um and uh Macduff was taken from his mother's womb before his time and therefore that was made him an unnatural birth not born of woman 
and uh, Tyson Fury made some comment in that area. Now, he wasn't quoting Macbeth, but I, I was very amused uh, by the implication. But anyway, look, back to this idea then of what you present, what you present to the world. And there's, a, there's an energy. There's an energy and um, an intentionality about the face we present to the world. And that's the one we think is going to serve us best. That's what I believe anyway. We're not, we're not trying to self-harm. We're not trying to make life difficult for ourselves. But we, we think that this is, this is the mode that will serve me best. This is the mode that will help me get through whatever I have to get through with the least resistance. And I think if that mode and that face aligns closely with who you genuinely are then it's less work but if that mode and face isn't aligned with something that's more integral if that mode and face is actually covering up intense anxiety or intense vulnerability um or or fear or profound sort of insecurity or whatever else it might be um then it requires so much more energy it requires so much more energy uh i mean i used to think about this when i was working as a teacher particularly when i started out as a teacher doing substitute teaching in secondary school in high school um and i used to think okay i'm gonna have to be a dominant alpha male and um take no crap from nobody um which wasn't really my mode that wasn't that's not really my natural mode that's not really my personality and so what happens is you're spending but what happened to me was i was spending a huge amount of energy trying to sustain something that wasn't really that aligned to who i was now that was driven by fear fear of being being eaten up by a very uh, you know by not every class but by certain attritional classes who would took you know who would take great delight in crushing uh, a young teacher um and so it was driven by fear it was driven by a desire not to lose control because of course you think no i'm a teacher so i must be in control i have to have authority in this space and i just felt well this is the way i'm going to have to do this because otherwise i'm going to be chewed up and spat out now as i got a little bit more experienced i lost my faith in that idea and just went be yourself because that's actually a much stronger position and you can still lay out your terms and you'll i learned how to how to interact with those more confrontational dynamics um, in certain classes and i learned how to kind of mind myself within that context um and still be myself and i found i enjoyed a lot more success as a teacher by doing it that way rather than coming in and trying to be something that i wasn't and here i'm going to pause to take a little drink of water hold on Mm. delicious so i'm trying to draw a connection there to what anthony joshua was on a certain level on what he's going going through i mean i have no 
I've nothing to share with Anthony Joshua, um, you know, in terms of my own experience, because I'm not a huge, black, brilliant boxer. Uh, I'm a skinny, middle-aged white guy. Um, but drifting back over to the other sports person I was talking about earlier, that's Ben Stokes. And Ben Stokes is about to be featured in a documentary on Amazon Prime, I believe, and Sam Mendes is, I don't think he's directing it, but I think he's like the presenter, narrator, interviewer. Um, Sam Mendes, who brought us uh, American Beauty, amongst other things. Also, The Road to Perdition, quite fond of that one. Um, Revolutionary Road, was that it? Was that you, Sam? Sam, is he still married to Kate Winslet? Have I got that wrong or right? Um, anyway, basically, it's... It's having a look at Ben Stokes and his career and where he's at now and he in his publicity that he's doing to promote the documentary he's been he's been speaking really frankly about his his struggles with mental health and he I I, I, could, I wasn't clear from what I read if if that's covered in the documentary itself uh, I, th- I think it must be but basically he started to have panic attacks at the the height of his success um and like a lot of modern british sports people uh he was subjected to intense media scrutiny particularly after he found himself in um an incident of public affray uh and i think was out late one night and got into some sort of altercation um and ended up in a in a fight with i think a couple of guys and when you dig deeper into that story he was actually sticking up for some guy who was receiving homophobic abuse and he just went to his assistance and was basically i remember at the time those headlines in the paper he was sort of being portrayed as a an out of control sort of um i don't know i don't know lout is the word that comes to mind um and clearly he was feeling the pressure of that media scrutiny and the yeah the, 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 i mean the, the the certainly the tabloid coverage um you know in, in england has a long disreputable history um and again we're talking about manipulation aren't we that shameless manipulation of truth to sell papers and uh, nowadays to get those clicks on their websites um and ben stokes it seems to me was just uh coming across very well and how he was speaking about his struggles with mental health and the way he described it he used the metaphor of a glass bottle and basically he said you put more and more things into the glass bottle to try and contain them more and more things being put in there to try and cope to try and maintain the image maintain the front to try and keep yourself up to to stay at that level um and then one more thing goes in and the glass bottle can't take it and it explodes and it shatters and it's glass everywhere um and i thought hmm I quite like that. 
I quite like that 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 metaphor. I thought it was it was quite a good one, um, and certainly that you know the idea of a vessel, a vessel of some kind being used to contain contain things you're trying to control, contain things you're trying to park in a certain space but you keep stuffing things in and you keep pushing things down until there's no room and it's got to go somewhere it's got to go somewhere and usually that's not a good place and it's it becomes it becomes something that's it, it becomes a ticking bomb um <laughs> I'm just I'm getting a flash so I've just um, I've I've ignited some memories in the back of my head, and actually, just that idea of the ticking bomb um, got in my head because I remember working in a school uh, before I went out to Australia um, and going into uh, one of the senior classes, and it was it happened to be all boys in that class, and they were a pretty wild bunch. And this one wild-eyed 17-year-old or 18-year-old, I remember him looking at me, staring at me with his mad eyes from the back of the classroom. And he just shouted up to me, you don't want to mess with me, sir, because I'm a ticking lock. And there was a moment, just a beat, and the rest of the class just turned and lost it. You... Egypt, it's a ticking bomb, and they just ripped into him unmercilessly, um, and that kind of broke the ice. Because <laughs> I said, "Right, I'll I'll watch out for that." Thanks. Um, yeah, but the um, <laughs> I'm a ticking lock. Are you? Okay, so what's going to happen? What are you? What's going to open up? Um, <laughs> so, but that's the problem. That is the problem, you know, and, and look, I don't think, you know, are Anthony Joshua and Ben Stokes unique for men of their age? Are they unique in experiencing these pressures? And they're unique. I think they're unique because they're bloody brilliant uh, sports people. They're exceptional sports people um, and have shown they've got the the mental toughness and resilience to, to walk the walk uh, and be out there doing you know achieving as i say as i said earlier achieving at the highest level under intense scrutiny and delivering when it counts um and just to to row back to anthony joshua for a second in no way was he discredited by that loss the other night because alexander Usyk is an outstanding boxer so nobody was writing that joshua had underperformed it was a competitive bout Usyk probably edged it throughout the fight, um, but he certainly took a bit of punishment, um, and they they would both enjoy a high level of respect within boxing. Um, so that's you know in in that regard, they are exceptional, and maybe I so and this is the, and this is the this is the, the the positive aspect of this. Maybe they are exceptional for for coming out and and speaking about their struggles and speaking about their mental health struggles and sharing that vulnerability um maybe that is 
maybe that is exceptional. It's my sense that that is becoming more and more common, um, which I think can only be a good thing because we need, I think we need to hear from people more uh, in that way. And I think people showing that vulnerability and openness is of enormous benefit um, because it leads the way. It lays out a path and it demonstrates clearly for those who are paying attention that these things can coexist. You can be a highly successful person and still have struggles. You can perform at the top of your game and still feel fragile and vulnerable and lost and out of control. Um, and another specific aspect to Ben Stokes's story is that he's speaking very candidly about still using the medication he was prescribed to help him cope. Um, when he spoke about seeing uh, health professionals, um, I can't remember if he said he saw a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but he says he's still using that medication and it's continuing to help him. I mean, and that's that's sort of a that's I guess that's sort of been a, a taboo to I mean it's one thing to say yeah I'm feeling I'm feeling this way I'm feeling like I need help or I'm feeling like I can't cope but then to to lean in and go and yeah I'm actually I'm using medication I'm using uh I'm putting something into my system to help keep me well um that's good that's very good, I think. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's, I suppose there's, there's another argument. I mean, you know, the you know, medication is one road to go down, but certainly it's, um, it's, it, 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 it's, it's so, it's, you know, it's so established. And I think it's something that if it's there and it can help and it keeps, keeps you on an, on an even keel or, or returns and I suppose this is I think this is the main idea if it returns a measure of control to your own hands I think that's the that's the desired outcome isn't it um to 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 have that um so it's not the only way of course to to manage oneself and um you know what can I say I mean I've been lucky enough to not at this stage yet, you know, not at this stage, but I haven't had to to take medication for my own um, occasional struggles with my mental health, which for me typically take the form of depressive episodes. Um, but mostly I default back to um, good mental health, stable mental health, where I uh, I feel I, I think clearly and make good decisions. Um, I mean, and that's one thing I've learned um, and I think I've become more aware of in, in recent years. Um, if I find myself in a depressive headspace, if I find myself in, in, a, in a having um, a bout of uh, intense depression, which for me usually manifests itself with... Um, the, the the extremely low energy, totally 
inward directed energy sleep sleepiness a desire for sleep and rest being non-communicative um and having negative thoughts like negative energy by you know heavy negative energy and negative thinking negative thought patterns and for me at its worst um suicidal ideation that's never gone away so that's been there since i was you know probably 15 or 16 um no yeah i'd say 15 but you know there it might have even been as young as 14 so that can still be my default reaction when i get triggered by whatever event um and i've been i suppose i've been lucky enough to find you know through through professional help i had i had therapy many years ago and i continue to use some of the things that um i was shown there um but what i've become better at doing is not compounding those episodes by heaping more self-judgment and recrimination on myself excuse me um and trusting that it will de-escalate um so i just sort of breathe into it really and go this is okay and it's 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 a bizarre it's a bizarre sort of um two-tier perception that my brain seems capable of where one on one tier i'm recognizing i'm in it and it's horrible and there's all the negative thoughts and emotions and self-destructive impulses and all of that but on the other tier i'm observing it and being compassionate to myself and recognizing that it has come from somewhere that it's been a response to something and counseling myself that it will pass and counseling myself that any decisions i think i'm making in that moment can't be trusted (laughs) it's like don't listen to him he's depressed out of his head he's not going to make a decision that's in his in his in his genuine self-interest um and i come out of it and yeah it's it's over um and so as i say i'm lucky i'm lucky that i've i've found a way of understanding this and not as unpleasant as it can be i i'm actually not unduly alarmed when um when i'm in the in the midst of it and it usually passes within a a 24 hour period for me typically sometimes it's a bit longer uh, or sometimes sometimes it has a a half life so it remains but less powerfully um in the in the days that follow um so yeah so there you go that's a, i think that's it that's a real that's a real key a key insight for me though is decision making decision making and um the way we convince ourselves that our perception is accurate don't trust that when you're in bad headspace don't trust that when you're feeling flat when you're feeling low because the truths you tell yourself in those moments they're um i don't think they're reliable they're they're coming from a very different place so and and similarly it's you know when if you bounce high and i don't i don't have a, a manic cycle 
But if you bounce high, you can't trust the high times either. You can't trust your your suddenly your decision making is excellent when you're feeling you know an abundance of well being and positivity and self regard and self worth that's going through the roof. And then you're like, yeah, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to set up that and I'm going to do this. For me, as always, I always come back to the, where's, where's the middle ground where, you, you know, you're, you're, you're tethered to a bit of reality, but you haven't completely abandoned your sense of optimism, possibility and idealism. Um, that for me is the place that I trust. And that's the, <laughs> that, that fits with my, my personality um, and is aligned best with what I believe to be to be true, the um, the old the old middle ground, the middle way, as uh, I think Tony Blair was, was that something he advocated, the third way. Am I am I misattributing that? Um, I thought that was some sort of uh, Blair Bush Junior con- conception. What did they conceive those guys at? Uh, is it Camp David? Is that where they have those US presidential summits when they sit down to meet with the bigwigs? Um, anyway, whatever. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the conclusion is to all of that. The conclusion is Anthony, Ben, ah, lads, you know, I, I hope you're doing okay because, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough feeling like that and it's tough um negotiating that and working out the best way to hold yourself and i just hope um you're being taken care of and i hope you've got uh sufficient compassion for yourself that's um i think that's a, a really important tenet of, of of staying well that we don't abandon ourselves we don't and we don't we don't kind of chuck out compassion for ourselves because sometimes that might be all you've got you know no matter how much you wish it was different no matter how much you want how much you'd like for there to be someone else to to hold you and take care of you there are times you have to do it for yourself and I think that is an indication of real health and real resilience and psychological and emotional robustness if you can hold yourself. What do you think of that idea? That's the, I'm not saying it's easy. And it's there's nothing narcissistic in that. There's nothing egoic in that. That is actually stepping outside yourself and recognizing your own vulnerability, um, your own imperfection, your own frailty. Those are very human things. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing. There's nothing weak in that. It's just. It's just being human. We're just. We're just. We're just mortals. We're just normal. You know. We're. We're. We're, we're normal beings. Why wouldn't we be vulnerable? Who isn't vulnerable? No one. Surely. Surely. Okay. So, there you go. Vulnerability. We're all vulnerable. It's okay. It's okay. Just, uh, you know, just, just 
let's give ourselves a bit of love a bit of care and um it might not be it's not the only solution put your healthful habits in place find someone you can talk to find professional help because those people exist for a reason and don't be ashamed you have nothing to be ashamed of really you're doing your best probably and uh, if you're not you can try tomorrow or later on today whenever there's always there's always an opportunity to uh, to try and do a bit better and uh, there are always other choices available don't don't fall into that trap don't fall into that trap of thinking there aren't other choices there are always always other choices there are all there's always something that you can do okay so listen um two other things thing number one this is a shout out to my friend leo who who wrote in <laughs> i'm laughing because he didn't write in i'm gonna i'm gonna frame it this way though i remember when i was a kid i used to hear gay burn good old gaybo gay burn now for people who aren't from these shores gay burn now deceased the late great gay burn was a, a legendary broadcaster uh, in irish media a radio and television personality he hosted the long-running uh tv chat show the late late show um on irish television and last week i was speaking about zeitgeists and the late late show was always a bit in the zeitgeisty because it was a place where the issues of the day found a way of coming to the surface on the late late show by virtue of the guests that came on and the interviews that were had and the people in the audience who shared their opinions and probably by watching the late late show alone you could chart uh, a history uh, through the emergence of modern ireland um and i don't know i mean i don't know if it's something in 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 irish culture i'm i'm, I'm gonna say it is there's an ability to chat there's an ability to talk there's an interest in the story and a comfort with getting into it uh, and certainly what i do here on the podcast reflects that but we've done well in that area irish broadcasters and chat show hosts and radio personalities um we had gay burn but we also had terry wogan who we gave to the we gave to the english go on now terry you you tip off there across the irish sea with your montrose tones and see what you can do on the old beeb the bbc and terry wogan became an institution himself over in england um and another very um another very winning personality i don't know how winning gay burns personality was but anyway i remember as a kid listening to gay burn reading out letters from listeners on his radio show and i always liked how he read out the letters isn't that funny and it wasn't like i was a gay burn fan um not at all um i mean whatever he was just who he was i didn't have a strong opinion about him either way but uh, I didn't have a I didn't have his poster up in my room. I can assure you. But I did like to hear him reading out his letters. He had there was something in his voice. Um, oh, I don't know that 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 that, that could be analysed further. Anyway, 
my friend Leo wrote into the podcast. Hi Dara, love the show. Really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it's entertaining. Uh, it makes me think. It makes me laugh. Keep up the good work. Uh, I know you sometimes refer to your mental health struggles. Uh, I really appreciate you speaking about that. But I wanted to ask you this, even in the tough times, and do you manage to find a moment of joy in each day? Thanks. Look forward to hearing your response and look forward to hearing the next episode. All the best and keep up the good work, Leo. Now, <laughs> that's not, that, 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 that didn't really happen. There was no letter. But, um, you know, feel free. Feel free to write. Drop me a line. Drop me a line. Send me an email if you like. It's theclearoutlive at gmail.com. You can send me a letter, an email, and pretend it's a letter and ask me to read it out. And I will. As long as there's nothing filthy in there, you filthy thing. Yeah. But, uh, no, Leo, I was spending time with Leo. Uh, I was working with Leo at the weekend. He, Amongst other things, he's a very talented guy. Uh, Leo is a great photographer and he was the uh, a wedding uh, doing a, a wedding for, for for a couple he was the wedding photographer wedding photographer for their big day and I was his little assistant so um that was a question he asked me we were talking about lots of different things um uh, on the, either the drive over or the drive home we were over in the west of Ireland in lovely beautiful Galway um so I was in Spiddle Spiddle in the west and it was a typically west of Ireland day, wet and overcast, um, but lovely. It's always lovely to get over to that part of the world. But that was a great question Leo had. Do you manage to f- experience a moment of joy every day? And I do. It's, I think that's very, uh, very attainable. That's a, that's a, that's a great little thing. And it's something, and I've spoken about this before. I've spoken about this idea of, are you in a, a receiving frequency? You know, where's your, where's your dial tuned? Are you open to receiving moments of positivity? Are you open to receiving something that turns a light on inside? And um, yeah, as Leo put it very simply, do you experience joy every day um see it only has to be a moment doesn't it it's not some delusional thing where you wake up and you're deliriously joyful and you remain deliriously joyful for the rest of the day i mean surely that's when they call for the uh, the men in white coats and they have their very own special coat or should i say jacket for you with extra long sleeves and then they bring you to a very cosy room where you can bounce your head off the padded walls for as long as you want um, in as joyful a way as you want. Um, that type of joy, we're not talking about that. Just a moment. That's all it takes. And um, thankfully, yeah, I feel like I do. So um, thanks, Leo, for expressing that so well. And putting that question and making me think about it. Ask yourself the same question if you're listening. Is that something you manage in a day? I think there's days when you're overwhelmed. I think that's fair. Some days... I, I, 
I don't know. Even in the worst of times, you might have a moment. You just don't know. You don't know where that little moment of joy would come from. It could be something tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's out there for you if you want. Okay, so that was one thing. And I'm going to finish with another thing. So this episode is um it's it's going live uh i mean it's going live i mean recording it live now but um it'll be out on the 25th of august which is thursday Uh, it's thursday in my part of the world might be wednesday in yours um but that's my dad's birthday happy birthday louis my father is turning 80 holy magoli so um Obviously, he's been in my thoughts. He's often in my thoughts. But uh, (laughs) he's very much in my thoughts this week because of hitting that particular milestone. And um, I'm, I'm going to read you something I've written for him. Now, this is a work in progress. It's a poem. One of my, um, one of my non-rhyming poems. (laughs) So my daughter says it doesn't rhyme uh, when she hears any of my, my uh, poetic efforts. But um, I'm going to read you this. And as I say, my only disclaimer is, and I'm not saying this with any sort of false um, modesty. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing it with you because of the date. I'm sharing it with you because it's going out on my dad's birthday. Um, this may remain unchanged uh, or I may tweak it a little. It, I think it does successfully capture what I wanted it to capture um, but yeah this is a a poem that I've uh, just been working on and have written for my for my father on his 80th birthday I'm probably going to read it out at a little birthday event that we're having for him this week so um, yeah have a listen to this and see what you think so this is called The Five Fingers of Understanding The first thing I think of, his beard, an ever-changing thing, bristling with its own energy, and over time, announcing quietly in the dimmed-down colours of autumn making way for winter, the inevitable creep towards sorrow and lament. The second thing, The smile that lies beneath the beard. The smile that precedes a voice sent forth on a wave of laughter. As capable of mischief as of interest. The grin that holds a cigarette as easily as the world in the palm of his hand. The third thing all of him to my right, hands on the wheel, eyes ahead, minding the road and listening to me, minding me, indulging me and putting me in my place without shaming or mocking me. The fourth is a seat perhaps better thought of as a station or a place 
where a center has been held for a very long time. Laughing, drinking, eating, smoking, talking, listening. A palm slapped flat beside the tailor's well, head bowed not in humility but in mirth. Such goodness comes from such earth. The fifth, a roll call of rascalry and roguery, a litany of line crossings and faux pas, a willful shorthand wielded like a wine bottle by an errant musketeer, turning away from the shocked face to raise another glass, a picture of imperfection perfectly himself. These five things the five fingers on the hand of understanding are but pointers to something greater. Because things as crude as digits cannot grasp a life as they do a fork and spoon. Indicators, signs, sketches, brush strokes of some bloke who happens to be my father, who hasn't asked to be understood, who is those five things and more besides, who holds up his own finger as his own father held up his, who continues to be as he was, as he is, and as he will be. Right, so there you go. That's from my daddy. Once again, happy birthday, Louis. 80. That's, um, that's not to be sniffed at. I'm very impressed if no one else is. Okay, so there you go. I'm going to leave it there with us, with us, with you, with me, with we. The power of we. It's yellow. It stinks. Don't drink it. Um, <laughs> okay, listen. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. And remember, if you want to throw me some love on social media, you can. Out there on the old interweb, the Clear Out podcast is on YouTube, it's on Instagram. It's on Facebook and the Clear Out 2 is on Twitter if you're a, a tweeting kind of person. If you are so inspired and enjoy this and listen regularly and think, you know what, I'm happy to contribute to this. It gives me a bit of a lift in my week, a pep in my step. You can support this show, this tell financially. There's a supporter link, which you should find in the description. Uh, where you can make a one-off contribution to the this independent production. Uh, or if you want to become a regular contributor to the show, uh, a patron, if you will, you can do so using the Patreon link. That is patreon.com forward slash the clear. And you'll also find that link in the description of this episode. 
and I would welcome your support. This does take a little bit of effort. Uh, I do put quite a bit of time and love into it and uh, I have great belief in this this project or as they say in France, this projet. <laughs> it's about good energy. It's about talking about stuff. It's about trying to keep it real and it is uh yeah as i as i said earlier in in this episode it's it's kind of about putting a bit of putting a bit of love out there and giving giving um giving you permission to to love yourself um it's not a bad place to start it's not a bad place to start and it's not as icky and grotesque as uh your initial reaction might suggest okay i've said enough and I'll say more next week. Thanks again for listening. Go easy. Give yourself an old hug. Mind yourself. And um, I'll talk to you real soon. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.